Hey everybody, Libertarian Tex-Mex here. Wanted to shoot you a quick message to let you know that uh, we're still here, still alive, still uh, pretty much quarantined for the most part. Going out every once in a while to uh, do some priority things like get some food, things like that. But for the most part, we are doing a lot of delivery, trying to minimize our movements um, <clears throat> trying to uh, put a little bit more focus on the day-to-day, meaning uh, I think me and my my wife are very lucky that um, we're able to work right now, work from home, and be able to, <clears throat> you know, um, help with the coronavirus pandemic. A lot of stuff going on recently with the state and federal, um, you know, their rules and regulations in which... Um, they're bringing in, <clears throat> I think, very, very expected to be, to be perfectly honest, we know there's always going to be a government response. And I think um, also there's also the medical response, right? What's going on? What are the numbers? What's the fat? What are the, what's the science behind it? Um, and I think when I think about <clears throat> our, you know, social media posts, uh, commentary, things like that. Um, you definitely see that that conversations don't really start with the science of things, right? Um, what's the spread like? How many people are getting infected? What are the doctors saying, right? What are their suggestions? <clears throat> and then how do we interpret that? I think that has a is a, a thing that is missed right now. Um, not just, you know, um, progressives or conservatives, even some libertarians, right? We are, I think we are kind of in a unique cultural situation where, you know, politics and social media commentary drives the discussion versus medical experts, right? Or the experts in certain whatever fields we're talking about. And I think even... Um, even as libertarians, this is a mistake, right? I think this is um, definitely um, not a direction we want to go, even though I think everybody's going there. I think I've always believed that, you know, data, science, and logic should drive your decisions, right? Um, Data-driven. That, that's always been something that I've, I've believed in, Right collect the data, make sure it's good. What does it tell you? And then what do you decide from that? Um, that's a very different conversation. And I think sometimes even us as libertarians um, can even forget about that. You know, We are looking straight at the political ramifications, the government, social media response, etc., versus just say, eliminating that, but f- First, look at what it's telling you. And then once we've agreed to what it's telling us, what the reality is, then we look at what does this mean you know, politically, right? What does this mean from an action standpoint, whether it's personal or, uh, or public? And I think, you know... Um, for all different reasons, some valid, some just stupid, right? Um, 
some people are very um, quick to move into a direction. And I think it's, um, and, and including libertarians, right, that will jump into one political argument um, without even thinking about the details. And I think this is not the right direction we want to go in, right? I think we want to remain firm in our reasoning, firm in our logic, to make sure that we are not um, jumping to conclusions, but also allowing the experts, right? People in the fields of these conversations um, to drive it. And then once we understand what that means, then we look at our politics and go, how do we want to move this in the way that we believe our politics should be? So I think, you know, when it comes to uh, the coronavirus, when it comes to lockdown, social distancing, face masks, you look at a lot of this from a medical only perspective and you see one very strong story that this is a highly infectious disease, that the death rate, uh, mortality rate is not astronomically high, but it's very dangerous for certain people certain groups, um, very specifically the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions like obesity, um, you know, heart issues, if you were exposed to or have cancer, high blood pressure, cholesterol, all those things that are related to health, you know, those are major factors. And when you think about the population that we live in, a lot of the population fits that bucket, you know. So I think whether it's a government mandate or an individual action, I think for sure, everybody, please be safe out there. And know that every circumstance is not the same, right? I think, um, you know, for example, me, you know, I live in the metropolitan area of Houston, highly populated, highly clustered. Um, and these are areas that are, you know, taking the brunt of the infection spread, um, even just looking at um, infectious heat maps for Houston, I'm seeing my area, my neighborhood alone, is a little bit higher than some other neighborhoods nearby. So regardless of what the social media posts are, regardless of what politics are, take a look at your local reports, take a look at the medical reports, understand how this impacts you and how this relates to you and take the actions you need to take care of yourself or specifically take care of your circle right your network of people your family your friends because maybe you won't get sick but somebody else could right um, especially as we open up um, here in texas we're opening up kind of once you know every seven days we're opening up things more and we're giving it we're giving it a try you know seeing what happens um and so far the rates haven't gone down the rates are staying firm at plateau so far but we also see delays right you know seven to 14 days before um people test positive so we may not even see any ramifications until june maybe july so let's not discredit that 
that information, the medical reports about infection rates, about the mortality rate. We're about to hit, I think we're at 96,000. Um, 96,000 people died because of coronavirus. Um, that's not flu, right? The flu right now, I just looking at the report, ranging between 24 and 60,000. That's, that's not the same, right? I, so I think there's a false reality that people are putting out there on social media. Sometimes, and a lot of it is really about people who are really not affected, right? Um, a lot of times it's people in urban, or I'm sorry, not urban, uh, it, people in rural and suburb areas where, you know, you don't have a high population. Most people are spread out. Most people are well-to-do compared to some poverty rates in the cities. Um, so you have you have a profile of people who have no idea what it's like, you know. And maybe they won't, or maybe they will, you know. Um, <clears throat> the infectious spread is kind of obviously really based in the urban areas and the major metropolitan areas, and it's slowly spreading to the suburban and rural areas. So they're going to have a problem, you know. You know, just thinking practically, logistically, they're going to have a problem, right? It's coming to them slowly, but it's coming to them. And I think what I've realized about many things, you know, whether it's prejudice or, um, you know, economy or, you know, unemployment or anything like that is people don't relate to it until it happens to them, you know, and then they realize, yeah, you're right. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with people who aren't taking coronavirus seriously are people who are really not affected by it, you know? They just don't know what it's like. Um, and at the same time, on the other side, right? The other, the other side of opening the economy for employment. Most of the people who are um, telling us to keep the um, economy closed are people who have jobs that can work from home. So I think... We have to have a little bit of um, empathy, a little bit of understanding about someone else's condition and understand how that relates to us. So this is not even politics. This is just personal development, right? You know, understanding that, you know, my me being able to work from home um, is going to be a very different stress scenario than somebody who just lost their job or on the other side, you know. Somebody who thinks the coronavirus is not serious, you know, that it won't affect them. And then you have a family member, a friend who goes through coronavirus and deals with the brutal recovery of coronavirus or worse, somebody dies. I think once those things happen, that's when we realize um, that it affects us personally, you know. Um, and a lot of times we want to prevent that, right? We want to say, don't wait until it affects you personally. But we are left with some hard situations, hard questions, right? We need to open the economy for sure. We can't stay closed forever. But at the same time, we need to tackle the coronavirus thing because if we don't, it's going to linger, right? More people are going to die. More people get affected. More people scared to go back out into the economy, right? To go to stores, to open up their businesses. Um, a lot of things hinge on our ability to tackle the issue, whether it's personal or public. I think for me, the question of is it dealt with publicly or privately 
is not even a question yet, right? Let's just talk about the the issues at hand, the logistics, right? The structure of how we have to deal with this thing, because um, I think once you once you make that a secondary step of these are the issues we're facing, right? You can't open a school because you know the classes are clustered for like thirty kids, and we know it. You know, coronavirus spreads very quickly in groups. So you can't even start a school doing that. Um, a gym, right? A studio, right? You think, um, you know, me, I'm a big, avid fan of martial arts. You know, you'd have serious issues opening up a martial arts school with 30, 40 people, you know, working, you know, sweating, grabbing each other. You're not going to be able to do that. Not now. So how do you modify those things? So. I think these are really important questions that we all have to answer and figure out what that means for us, you know, and give people leeway to figure it out. And I think I think there is where you have the libertarian avenue, right, where we can shine instead of making this an argument about anti-government or um, minimalism, gov- minimalist governments or individual rights. We need to <clears throat> reverse engineer our thinking instead of going from government to medical. Or logic, we need logic and medical to, and then go out into the political, because I think once we have those answers, then we figure out where our places, you know, where our policies should go. And as much as I think, um, you know, there's a lot of focus on government right now. I think specifically the local areas, like the county judge, Judge Lena Hidalgo. Uh, Mayor Sylvester Turner, Governor Greg Abbott. Um, These people are obviously key players in my area, in the Texas um, area, in the Texas economy. Um, And there's a little bit of theater, right? We always say there's, it's all theater, right? It's all games. But at the end of the day, we know, um, we know the details, we know the facts and what needs to be done. And I think when you go into major metropolitan areas that have, um, clustered groups, um, a lot of social activity, bars, restaurants, you know, museums, parks that are literally crowded, you're looking at giant risks that you have to manage and mitigate. And I look at that as an individual and I look at that as a, you know, as a leader in those government positions and in those community uh, positions. And I think it's not an easy position, right? You look at, you know, Judge Lena Hidalgo with her kind of enforcement of social masks and stay-at-home policies and, um, you know, trying to do her best, trying to do her best to manage an outbreak in a major city, something that a governor will not ever experience, something that maybe many judges won't ever experience. So I think there definitely has to be a, a tailored way to manage this, you know, and that it definitely lies in the realm of libertarianism versus, you know, conservatives and progressives. Um, we have libertarians have that capability to f- be flexible as needed, right? And I always tell libertarians that it's not a black and white issue, right? Libertarians are very much in the gray zone. We have different types of libertarians, right? We have all the way, you know, anarcho-capitalists who believe, 
you know, no government should ever exist. We have minimalist, you know, people who believe that a very, very bare bones structure of government should exist. And then on the other side, you have classical liberals who believe government is actually necessary and vital to society um, and that we are merely managing um, its authoritarian nature um, and making sure that it adequately, adequately fits the needs of the people and, you know, still protecting their rights. And, um, you know, not everybody's going to agree on one way to do things. Not everybody's going to agree on the positions in which government should take. But I think the conversations are good and we should keep them up. You know, keep talking to your friends, keep talking to your family, social media, engage people. This is a big, you know, for me, this is a big belief that engaging others in their beliefs, engaging others with our beliefs is an important thing, right? A lot of people say, you know, the kind of fatalists are always going to say that, oh, people don't change. People are always going to stay the way they do. Um, but I think from my experience and from me being um, a vocal libertarian that I am and having my own beliefs beyond libertarianism, right? Um, libertarianism is just a small bucket, a small fraction of what I believe. Um, and I think people can change. And they have, you know, there's plenty of people who have messaged me, friends and family, who, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, didn't agree with me. And now they're looking at me going, you know what, you, I kind of see what you're saying now. So it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of education and ultimately about respecting other people's opinions, trying not to um, ridicule, ridicule them. You know, obviously, sometimes Facebook and social media, if anybody's seen any of my posts, um, Sometimes people say dumb things and sometimes you got to laugh at it and just, you know, be a snark about it, but can't be snark about everything, right? Sometimes you got to put a little empathy, right? Or even try to find a way to agree with somebody. Maybe they're, maybe you don't agree with them 100%, but maybe there is something that you agree with and it's okay to admit that, right? It's okay to admit that you agree with somebody and it's also okay to admit that you were wrong, you know? And I think that's a position that it's hard to take in politics where you can see the, you can look at the, the data that we get. Take, take this coronavirus, for example. You know, looking at the data, it's changing, right? The, the nature and shape of how we handle this changes weekly because we're, this is something that nobody's ever gone through. Um, it changes constantly. And the data and the information and the science has to be updated um, regardless of what our political opinions are and to say you know what the information we had last week that's not applying anymore this is the new information and i think a lot of people have a hard time with that because they don't understand the nature of science you know science is always improving and getting better the information is getting sharper um, and whatever we uh, didn't know before maybe we know a little bit now but the truth is always something that science is is going after but it's not always perfectly there you know um and unfortunately even some scientists um can't admit that but we know that it's always the pursuit and the goal of science to get closer to the truth as possible politics not so much right (laughs) politics is about control politics is about um government you know telling people what to do 
And unfortunately, as libertarians, we don't like that. It's, it's natural, you know. Um, however, there's, you know, I think there's certain avenues which libertarians can concede or at least understand that, you know, government does have a part to play, you know. And I think that's something that we as either, you know, anarcho-capitalist or minimalist or full-on um, classical liberals, we have to agree to that to say, do we all agree that government has some part to play in it, right? And maybe we work our way up from there, you know. We go, yes, government has a part to play, or no, government should be completely void here, and then understand why. Um, but I think from, you know, an emergency management standpoint, you know, I, I kind of lean towards the classical liberal approach, which is, this is one of government's functions, is to manage an emergency. Okay. All right, coming back. Sorry about that. Part two we got now. Um, anyways, so going back to this idea that um, me, I personally believe that, you know, government does have a role in emergency management. I think coming from the Houston area and being in Texas, we know all about hurricanes, right? The hurricanes are very destructive and flooding. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at it from a libertarian structural perspective, you go, you know, what, what is an individual right? What can the free market do? Um, how can people help or provide for each other? And you realize that the, you know, emergency situation of a flood or a hurricane, it's something that is outside, outside an individual um, in terms of needing help. And we definitely need community help, right? Communities, families, friends, churches, things like that, right? But sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes we need help beyond that. And I think when we look at that from a classical liberal perspective, we say, okay, government's not infringing on anybody's rights. The government is not unnecessarily spending money. It's actually doing it to help the community and helping the community come back up will help stimulate the economy, get people back on their feet, get out of debt, etc. So I look at it from a classical liberal perspective and I think, you know, government does have a hand, does need to be either a partner or a leader. Um, I, you know, as libertarians, we prefer partners, right? A partner in the community to help in those times of need. Um, and I think, like I said, I think about it personally with hurricanes and that's something beyond an, what an individual can do by themselves. And um, I've seen it firsthand that this is beyond what a libertarian can handle. Now, we can also say that from a libertarian perspective, we do see a lot of government corruption, a lot of um, unnecessary actions that the government is taking or something even government is taking that is counterproductive to um, getting the community back up. And in that circle, we could definitely be the outspoken critic to say this is ineffective or this is overbloated, etc. I think that is perfectly within the realm. But I think to say that the, um, you know, what a government, whether it's local, state, or federal, has no interaction with an emergency situation, such as the one we have right now, I think you would be wrong. And I think as libertarians, I think it's a bit of a disservice, you know, to be in the outside fringe 
of people um, that are, you know, yelling conspiracy theories. I don't think it helps us as a, as a group, as a political group, you know, the Libertarian Party. And actually, you've seen the mainstream Libertarian Party has not not been too aggressive on this, right? They're focusing on the election, on their own election, um, and understanding where our place is in this situation. But I think to jump to conspiracy theories and to jump into, you know, uh, hashtag don't don't take away my civil liberties, you know, don't make me wear a mask, it's fascist, things like that are just absolutely silly. And most of that's not coming from libertarians. Most of that, let's be honest, is coming from from the right, right? Right-wing conservative, you know, uh, people who were never in support of protests before, <laughs> or it lifts, or individual rights, right? <laughs> civil liberties, they never believed in civil liberties, um, before now, until it was their civil liberties that were taken away. So um, maybe we take this moment to um, have a teachable moment, right? That's what they call it, is to have those people on the right who are talking about, you know, individual uh, liberties being taken away. Maybe we now have a conversation about criminal justice, you know, um, the criminal justice bias against African-American and, and Latinos or the drug wars or uh, marriage equality, right? Those are all individual liberties that they have even now are still fighting. So now maybe may, now may be a good time to have that conversation. Remember you talked about individual rights, individual liberties? Okay, let's talk about, you know, gay people getting married or let's talk about the drug war because... Those are also individual liberties that we need to, um, that we need back. So anyways, so I think um, looking at it from that perspective, you know, as a classical liberal, and I do tend to lean that way, uh, left-leaning classical liberal, you know, um, that idea of, you know, um, of, a, of a functioning government um, that allows for maximal freedom um, that I think is now challenged with this pandemic. And, um, I was listening to a great interview on the Cato Institute. Cato's Institute is one of my favorites. They actually tend to lean towards logic and reason a little bit more, just like reason magazine is also a great one too. They tend to lean towards that, um, and, and ask the hard questions, you know, does the government actually have the authority to do this and they had a great interview and and unfortunately whether you like it or not the government does have the ability to do what they're doing now whether they do it or not is totally up to them but the governments the government whether federal state or local have that capability to put us at a stay at home you know work order now the politics of whether they enforce that who doesn't enforce that, who they enforce it to, that's all very much in the gray area of of politics, right? Because you'll see, you, I mean, it's, it's happening now, you know, you'll see kind of a right-leaning Republican want to open up the things that they have always, you know, put more freedom to versus other people. So, you know, they're opening the churches, they're opening the restaurants, right? Um, they're not opening the bars or the clubs, you know, anything like that. Um, so they're being selective in how they do things. Now, 
if it was the other way around, you know, uh, the other the other side, the left leaning progressives, they would probably flip it, right? They would probably open up every other progressive focused group and then put hold on the conservatives groups, right? So I think there's always been a back and forth between the left and the right, you know, power shifts between left and right. And, you know, when they're in charge, they're going to do things for them and then, you know, put down the other side and then they're not going to fix things. So it's more balanced. They're going to keep the power, the power they have. They're going to enjoy it and then they're going to fight to give it up. And then when the other side gets it, they're going to do the same thing. So you have to be careful about jumping into those jumping into those arguments of a left versus right because the left and the right i think from what most of us understand is that the left and the right there's no difference right they act they act the same they treat each other the same way they treat their political enemies the same way and um it's not really beneficial for the country and you think about right now right we have a, a moment for all of us to work together, left, middle, right, independent, libertarian, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. We have an ability to step together and say, hey, we got a problem. How can we resolve this? You know, how can we resolve this in a reasonable scientific manner, right? What's data? What's the data telling us, right? What's the reason here? Um, I don't think we've, we had that. And maybe initially at the beginning, but now it's kind of eroded straight into politics. And some are for good reasons and some are not so good reasons, right? I think there's plenty of um, plenty of good reasons in terms of economics, right? We see the unemployment rate is 14% last week and climbing. Um, but then we also see the infection rate also climbing. And we have to be able to tackle both of these. Otherwise, we're going to be in a very bad shape. So I think the question, I think the answer and the solution is going to be within the realm of libertarianism, right? How can we open the economy safely? How can we give people um, the liberty to move about where they want to without putting them at risk? How do we do all those things? How do we balance this whole thing out? I think, honestly, that's going to be totally within the realm of libertarianism, right? So even though I think we're in a, in, a, in a bad position now, I think the solutions are, are good solutions, and I think libertarians have a lot to offer in that, right? You know, libertarians don't have to always bring the answer to no government. Sometimes there's levels. There's levels to this, right? So, you know, um, I, you know I, I, like I've said before, you know, I start, I start my conversations, I start my thinking from a point of logic, right? What's the data? what is you know the common what are the basic concepts what are the theories right and then from there we go can an individual do this themselves you know or can the market do it can it and then you scale up right can can a community step in a local community all right if not can the state can the federal um is there some type of private partnership uh private public partnership that can that we can do right or is there a way for a government a government whether state local or federal to come in and influence um said subject 
to to a positive position. And then finally, you go legislation, you know, regulation. That's probably the lowest on the totem pole of my thinking, but it's not necessarily a void, right? It's just at the bottom. For me, I think my logic from libertarianism and reason why I, I stick with the classical liberal approach is because I want that flex to be able to say, okay, you know, this time we don't need government, but maybe there are cer- certain circumstances where we are going to need them, whether either as a partner, as a public-private partnership, or as somebody who can influence um, the situation, or somebody who can come in and um, strongly persuade the situation, right? Um, so there is a way to balance those two ideas, you know, balance the non-aggression principle, Ban, uh, balance limited government. And I always tell people when they say, when they talk about, I thought libertarians don't believe in government. I always say, no, that's a lie, right? We believe in government, right? We, the government has to be there, right? Whether to protect individual rights um, or um, there as a partner to make sure our individual rights are not being infringed upon by other people. There's, there has to be, there has to be um, government, you know. Now, the role and scale and size in which it is involved is totally up to the situation. Um, but it's not void. And I think that's where you do have people that are very anarcho-capitalist. And you go, there's certain circumstances that this just doesn't apply. And um, and then you start moving in towards the classical liberal position, right? Or even in the limited government, there that there's a minimal role to play, and then you have to discuss what's the minimalist role in that position. But anyways, when I think it comes to emergency management, you know, looking into the details, the devil's always in the details, right? Um, <clears throat> from both a state and federal level, emergencies are managed at the state level, right? And I think specifically in the state of Texas. The emergency manager is the judge, the the county judge. They're the ones that decide um, the logistics and the scale in which they need to um, act on. Um, And then everybody has to comply. Obviously, the emergency managers comply with the governors. Um, And then you obviously have the federal government that makes sure the states are complying with federal laws and that they're not infringing upon you know, constitutional rights, civil liberties, all that stuff. So I think it's a very um, balanced scale here about how do we protect the public? Um, how do we open the economy? Um, and also, how do we not risk more people than we need to? And I think it's an answer at every level, right? You know, the federal government is going to have to have an answer, whether it's um, some type of assistance or support right? The National Guard helping, um, some type of funding situation. Uh, And maybe we leave it at that. Maybe they're not enforcing rules because the size and scale of this, because our country's so large and the situations are so different based on each state and even based on each region, it's so different that maybe not one solution is going to fit all. So maybe the federal government is not the answer to solving the coronavirus crisis. Maybe they can Uh, push through uh, more testing. Maybe they can deregulate um, the CDC and the FDA to help um, make testing more efficient or or make it 
um, expand it a lot faster. There's ways to do that. And then also on the other side, making sure we have the helping hands like the National Guard and the military could totally come here and, and help out. Um, and then there's also funding and assistance um, that we do. But at the same time, we have economics that we have to be careful about. And we know that the more money our government spends, the more bills that rack up, um, the more debt we have to pay, and the more it liquidates the U.S. dollar. So all the money that we're earning right now could be gone. So you have to even find a balance there about, you know, how much is government helping? What's it going to cost us short term and long term? And what impacts do that does that have? I still think we have that as well. And then at the state level, you have probably the most, um, well, maybe about a middleman position, right? Because even in a state, you have such varying positions. You know, you take a city versus rural environment, totally different night and day. So maybe at that level, you have to, you know, suggest, give guidelines, um, find a way to help each region organize with each other, probably that. And probably the strongest part you have is at the local level, right? Your mayor, your county judge, who is able to look at all that information and make the right decision for your area. I think that's probably the most effective way. And then obviously you hold those elected people accountable for what they do, right? Um, and I think a lot of political leaders have to look at that and go, you know, am I making the right decision? Am I making the wrong decision? It's unfortunately not a good position, right? Because either way, if you just open full bore the economy, people could die more than I think people realize. But at the same time, if you don't open it at all, people are going to lose jobs the economy is going to melt. You're going to be in a vicious cycle for, for years to come. So how do you find that balance? And as much as I um, don't agree a whole lot with uh, our governor right now, Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, um, I think what he's done is, is pretty reasonable so far, right? Like I said, he's not imposed strict um, rules. He's slowly opening up each portion of the economy to see how things go. Um, and he's giving guidelines, you know, practice social distancing, wear face masks when you go out, um, etc. All those things that we all know that we should be doing. And then, you know, he's leaving it up to the cities and the judges, emergency managers to manage what that looks like um, and what kind of support they do. Now, I do... I think from a classical liberal's perspective, I do kind of wish he allowed local communities to enforce their rules the way they see fit. I think the city of Houston, you know, specifically is in a <clears throat> in a much more high risk situation than, you know, a rural county. Um, and so I think those areas need flexibility to enforce or not enforce their own rules. Right. Like city ordinances, um, you know, um, you know, they need to be able to manage those situations um, as they see fit. And obviously, whether it's state, local, or federal, um, they all need to abide by the Constitution. So, um, you know, you, you take it that, you look at that from a libertarian perspective. Do you still have the ability to, um, to you know, to believe what you want to believe, to have the freedom of speech, 
Yes, you do. Do you have the right to bear arms? Yes, you do. Do you have the right um, to a speedy trial? Do you have the right to search, you know, that the government um, needs a warrant for a search and seizure? Yes, you do. So all those things from a constitutional perspective are still still being upheld. Um, and I think we need to find a balance there. So the answer, I don't really have a solid answer, you know, for this. What I, I think really what I've learned is that everybody's going to have a different answer based on where they are and based on their situation. And we need to have some flexibility for for all and still be able to find a way to balance our health and safety. So if you're out there, you know, um, do your research on your own, not just, you know, editorial websites. Um, you know, I don't want to pick on anybody, but I think I think the right right leaning websites like The Blaze and all these other stuff, they're very non logic non-data-driven non-science-based they're just editorials and i think people mistake that for facts versus opinions um and so a lot of things about wearing face masks hand sanitizers um you know how the infection is happening etc i think all of that is being very uh, muddied on the right and i think um, they're not really um, adding or helping into the conversation i think most of the science and medical experts are saying wear a face mask when you go out either to not get someone else sick in case you have it or to not get it into your face right um practice social distancing wash your hands hand sanitizer all those things um make sure that at least at the very bare minimum that you as an individual are practicing those on your own um, whether your community is doing it or whether they're they're not, I think you ultimately are up are um, responsible for your own life, right? That is ultimately libertarian. Be responsible for your own life, and if you don't believe in these things and you're going out, then you have to face the consequences, right? If you get coronavirus or somebody you get someone else sick, you're going to be responsible for that, and you have to face up, right? So anyways, just wanted to send out a message today. Um, got cut up, got cut in the middle of it with a uh, phone call. I'm using my iPad and my iPhone and forgot to put it on airplane mode. Lesson learned. But anyways, put it when I shoot a message out there. Just say, hey, what's going on? Um, I'm doing both an audio and video podcast, putting it on YouTube and uh, Podbean. So if you could subscribe, I'd really appreciate it. Comment, like, um, all those things. I would greatly appreciate it. Libertarianism is something I talk about quite a bit. It's something I believe in. Um, and like I said, I've been slowly drifting myself back into classical liberalism. But I think from there, it's still about individuals um, giving people the ability to run their own lives. And if they need help, I'll give them some help. But anyways, um, y'all be safe out there. Um, Memorial Day weekend is right now. It's coming up. So um, enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. And um, hug your family and friends for me. All right. Bye.